Has anyone ever wanted to just quit? Just quit. There isn't a person alive that hasn't felt this, right? You know, uh, at least once. Whatever the circumstances are, the situations of life overwhelm you, and you just feel like I am done with all of it. We, we want to back away. We want to check out. We want to bounce. <laughs> we want to quit on everyone, and many times even on the Lord. Vince Lombardi. Who knows who Vince Lombardi is? Legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers. Once said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. This can't be more true, church. Because what happens is, not only in the physical sense, because fatigue, we have been, I have been at the very edge of what my body could take. You know, I remember being in, in, I know it was years ago. I know I don't look it now. But your pastor was once a United States Marine, right? Y'all know that, right? (laughs) Never mention it? (laughs) Part of the training that we get that is different than some of the other branches, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying, is that they take your body to the very edge of what it could possibly take. And then they stop, and then they take you there again. And they take you there again. And I, and I understand what fatigue does to the body. It will cause your body just to shut down, right? Um, but not only in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense, and we're going to be talking about that today, it causes us to just quit not only on others, but on the one who needs us the most, who we need the most, and that's God. So before we can understand all this, we have to understand what causes fatigue. You know, uh, what's the remedies of, uh, and symptoms? It's easy to point out our need for rest, right, when it comes to fatigue. It's easy to say, well, you get some sleep, right? Remember when people say, oh, I'm so, just get some sleep. I don't know. You just can't get it back. Like, no matter if Anthony slept for, four, uh, for two days straight, he can't get back the hours that he didn't sleep. <laughs> you can't get it back. But they always say, get some sleep. Get some relaxation in order to restore your strength, in order to, to, uh, to, 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 to get your energy back. But how does this look spiritually? How does this look spiritually? Spiritually speaking, we need to fan the flames back to full, like, what do you call it, like full burning, Right? When we're talking about spiritually, sometimes that fire that we once had for God, right? The fire that you, you, who's ever been to like a bonfire, right? That thing is huge, right? We get saved, it's a bonfire, like, oh, I love you, Jesus. And then, little by little, that huge fire gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And we need to spiritually fan those flames, feed those flames, and continue to let it grow and and maintain it and not let it go out. 2 Timothy 1 and the first part of verse 6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. So instead of doing nothing when you feel fatigued, 
which, by the way, I believe that's our first response, right? Our first response is to, to, to do nothing, right? But when we feel fatigued or discouraged, church, I want you guys to know this, that many times the message that's preached here from the pulpit is a message to me first. Do you know that? This message that I'm preaching this morning was a message to me first. And it's funny because Brother Al just prayed for me before, and he said uh, sometimes you got to go through things before you can preach on it. And that's exactly what happened in this situation because I felt fatigued earlier on this last week, Monday, like after Sunday and Monday in the beginning of the week. I was fatigued. I was discouraged. I felt defeated, Right? And I want you guys to know this because I want to be transparent because I want you guys to know that if you feel this way, it doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. If you feel this way, it doesn't mean that you failed God. If you feel this way, it doesn't mean that you're any less than anyone else in this church. We all will feel this way at some point in our life. But how we respond to it is what sets us apart from the world. And that's what we're talking about here today. Paul, he writes this in Galatians. He says, so let us not get tired. Six, Galatians 6, chapter, nine, uh, chapter 6, verse 9. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. Okay, okay. So what is fatigue? Fatigue is a state of being weary, tired, extremely tired. You know, it, you know, it just kind of like uh, takes your body to exhaustion. Like you are just exhausted, right? Um, we've all been there and we've, we've felt it at some point in our lives. Feeling worn out. Feeling worn out like you just have nothing else to give. Like you have nothing else to offer. You have no other remedies. You just feel worn out. You're unmotivated. You're lacking the energy to accomplish goals in your life. You just feel like doing nothing, like locking yourself in a room or just staying in the house or just like not talking to nobody because that's what happens. You want to disconnect from the world in this state. The feeling of so, being so exhausted that all you want to do is turn on the TV and lose yourself in whatever you're watching. You lose yourself. And so what happens is, <laughs> for, for some people, regular movies don't long, no, no longer stimulate your mind. When you're trying to lose yourself, now you got to watch these certain, like, you know, documentaries. A lot of you crime folk <laughs> are trying to lose yourself in the crime shows, you know, being detectives and stuff. We got a lot. Wait, how many detectives we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Look at all the detectives in the house. There's nothing wrong with crime shows. But what happens is we can get to a point in our lives where we're so exhausted, we're so fatigued, we're so burnt out, we're so worn out that we just want to lose ourselves in some show. Fatigue affects our bodies in different ways. You know, um, uh, in our minds, right? When we're tired, we just don't want to think. Remember that? Has anybody felt that way? I just don't want to think right now. I don't want to think right now. Don't ask me no questions. 
Don't ask me no questions. Don't snap. So, you know, and at work, you're just like trying to get by. You're just trying to get by. Don't ask me no questions, nothing, nothing that makes me think. Nothing's going to make me have to figure something out. I just don't want to deal with nothing today. Physically, it attacks our, our energy. It attacks our health. It attacks our health. Spiritually, it attacks our soul and our spirit, weakening our emotions and not taking us to a point where we just want to give up on life. What causes fatigue? Well, the National Institute of Aging, that's an actual place, they list things like illness will bring you fatigue. It's obvious, right? If you're, if you're sick, you can get fatigue because you don't have the energy. Depression brings fatigueness, anxiety, stress, grief. Oh, my goodness. These are all things that we deal with today. Oh, none of y'all? None of y'all deal with that? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Depression, anxiety, stress, grief, boredom. Boredom. It said boredom. None of y'all better be bored because there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> Tell me who's bored. Anybody? Oh, Kevin's bored. We got to put Kevin's name down. We got something for Kevin. Boredom causes fatigue. Did you know that too much caffeine? <clears throat> I didn't say coffee. Oh, well, now I did. But no, I said too much caffeine can cause fatigueness. Because what happens is your body gets used to the caffeine running it. And the second you don't have the caffeine running your body, then you're like, ugh. And you guys know, the ones that drink coffee a lot, that you guys are like this in the morning, ugh. And then all of a sudden you drink your coffee, you're like, oh, hello, hi, how you doing? I'm just not, right? All of a sudden you're like, you're good to go. Too much alcohol causes, staying up late causes fatigue. Junk food is linked to causing fatigue. Maybe that's why I'm extra tired sometimes. <laughs> I'm trying, church. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> fatigue can be caused by striving to do things that are out of your control, and that we're going to talk about in detail a little later. So what are some remedies for fatigueness? Obvious is rest, right, like a good night's sleep. The funny thing is, is we know this and we still don't do it. We know that if we just sleep more, we'll feel a little better. And yet, it's sometimes it's 1 o'clock and you're like, I should be sleeping right now. I'm the worst. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, it's 1 o'clock and I'm like, I should be sleeping right now. I should be sleeping. Exercise? Boo. Or no. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> Exercise, right? And I'm not just talking about the gym, right? I'm talking about, you know, anything that causes you to move, right? Recre recreational activities, you know, uh, sports, physical hobbies. Not like putting model cars together because you do that sitting down. Like a hobby that causes you to walk around or go places or do things, things like that. Even doing chores in the house gets you moving, Eating better can do wonders. Again, I fail. What we eat affects the amount of energy you have. 
it's actually known that junk food, the junk food that we eat, it steals our energy. It saps you of the energy. Regulating stress levels. <laughs> if we don't get a handle on the things that cause us stress, it will bring you to the ground. Everyone has stress in their lives. And we need to learn as individuals to get a handle on that stress. Some things that are causing you stress, you don't even need in your life right now. Some things you can't, you have no choice, and so that you have to learn how to regulate that, how to deal with that, how to control that. But again, well, some of y'all are like, we're going to have a health class, we're going to preach. <laughs> but again, it's not our bodies, just our bodies, but our minds that need to fight fatigue. And so does our spirit. So we're going to get into the sermon now. How long have you been preaching? <laughs> no, nah, don't worry about it. It's not, it's not too long. Just two hours. All right. <laughs> Spiritual fatigue. Wow. There are many reasons that cause fatigue um, mentally and physically, right? Um, emotional fatigue and emotional fatigue. We cannot dismiss the spiritual side of this. It's real. This is real, right? And we know the human body is made up of three parts, right? The, the body and the soul, which is our emotions, and the spirit. Each of those parts play a specific and very important role in our life, in our health. And fatigue doesn't discriminate. It will attack all three parts, all three parts. When we are spiritually fatigued, and this is where I want you guys to start to, to start painting the picture and, and, and start saying, start like looking in the mirror right now as we go through the rest of the sermon. But I, I, as you experience spiritual fatigue, we are more susceptible to temptation. We are more prone to disbelief. You guys know that, right? So like I'm fatigued spiritually. God can never do this. God can't possibly be able to do this. And all of a sudden, in our spiritual fatigue, we begin to minimize the greatness of the God that we serve. This is what happens. There's despair. There's discouragement. There's this, the depression. And... It's in these times that we are experiencing spiritual fatigue that we are more likely to not persevere. To not persevere and fight the good fight of faith. Right? In worst cases, in the worst cases of spiritual fatigueness, some people never come back from it. Have you ever heard or known someone that once was serving the Lord? And something happened, and they started to feel like, oh, I don't know about God. I don't, and they started talking like this, right? Oh, I don't know if he can do this in my life. I don't really know about this anymore. I don't know. I know the Bible says this, but I don't really want to hear what the Bible says right now. These, these are the warning signs. These are the warning signs, right? And before you know it, it causes the individual to abandon their faith in God. Because of such despair and spiritual fatigue that they have, they, 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 they're in. 
And the thing is this, it can affect any of us. I started by saying that I was, I believe that I, I, I dealt with some spiritual fatigueness in the beginning of last week. And maybe it's, you know, maybe that I, I was, I had just preached and I had just given everything and I didn't take the time to really go before the Lord right after that so that he can refill me with all the good things that he has. And what happens is if I stayed a little empty, then what happens is it got filled with all the negative thoughts and all the junk that the enemy tries to throw your way. Paul himself, right, he felt feelings of fatigue that resulted in temptation to give up. Paul, no, not Paul. He's a gangster. Yeah, well, he almost gave up too. 2 Corinthians 1.8. For we do not, this is Paul speaking, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. They wanted to give up. He said that there was a moment in his life, this is Paul, right? It was a moment in his life that he just wanted to die. Some of us have felt or are feeling right now, I just want to die. I just want to die. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, and God, I don't know how I feel about this. And we are, we are in this battle right now with our spirit as we're facing this fatigueness in our life. Jesus, too, understands this reality, right? He knows about the temptations that will pop up when you're feeling fatigued. When we find ourselves worn out, when we find ourselves tired, Jesus himself knows what that feels like and how to be tempted. Remember when Jesus fasted 40 days in the desert, 40 days of fasting will make you fatigued. I'm going to tell you right now. Some of y'all went two, three days and it was like, I can't do it, Pastor. I need food in my life. Right? Because, you, you, I mean, we fast for a couple of days and you're like, all right, let's, let's not do any manual labor. Let's just take it easy. I, you know, you get dizzy. Yeah, you don't have it. Yeah, it's true. Well, he was tempted in the desert by the, the devil himself, right? Hebrews chapter 4, 15 says, The high priest of ours, this high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus knew what it was like to be fatigued, to be tempted. But you know what? And that's because he knows how it feels, right? He can sympathize with us. See, we don't serve a God that's like, ah, get over it. I, you know, I'm guilty of talking like that. Some of y'all are like, that's what Pastor told me the other day. I know, I know. I'm guilty of talking like that, but Jesus is not like that. You know, I mean, there's a point that I believe that he does. But I'm just saying he, sympathize, he sympathizes with us because he knows what it feels like to be fatigued, to be tempted in that state. Now, because he overcame and because he did not sin, it's through him 
that we can get through those trials and tribulations and those temptations, right? He didn't sin. He overcame it. And so when we begin to feel the temptation, we are fatigued, and in that state, we have to turn to him. He defeated it. He overcame it. And so holding on to him, we too can overcome that. Okay? Matthew chapter 11 Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Why don't we just do that? I don't, it's like, it's right there. But we don't do it. We want to keep it. We want to hold it. We want to like, hey, I'm going through this right now, but I'm going to hold it. I'm not going to give it to Jesus. I'm going to hold it and get weighed down more and more. And Jesus is like, yo, I'm, I could take that. I, I, could, I could carry that for you, you know that? I could hold that for you. He understands the weight that we carry. He understands it and how hard it could be. He's saying, let me give you. He's like, there's rest in me. There's rest in me. Since I mentioned the Marines, I might as well tell some, tell some more stories. So one of the things that we used to do is we used to uh, hike with the backpacks. And the backpacks weighed about 70 pounds, 70-ish pounds. And um, after about four or five miles, yo, it feels like you're carrying a dead body, like, on your back. Like a, a, a whole person, right? And the feeling of removing the bag after walking for a couple hours, all of a sudden you, you yourself feel like, whoa. Like, like, like you feel so light. And that's the feeling that God wants us to experience when we give our burdens over to Jesus. Like he's saying, listen, you don't got to carry this. And, and the second you give it to him, you're like, oh, wow, this is so much better. The bag's still there. That's, but that's where some people get mistaken, right? They think that when we give our burdens to Christ that they disappear. When I take the bag off, and I'm like, oh, this is not, the bag is still there. It still exists. But I'm just not the one carrying it anymore. Jesus wants to carry it. Whatever problem it is, he says, I'll leave it in my hands. I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll handle it. What are some causes and cures for spiritual fatigue? The first cause that we're going to talk about that caused, the first thing that causes spiritual fatigue is failure to replenish. And this is, uh, s- some of this is what happened to me, I believe, in the beginning of the week. Failure to replenish at, at a different level. But what happens here is, from a physical perspective, we already talked about we need rest and we need exercise, right? But just as important as that is to renew, to renew ourselves, right, it's, it's, it's the same aspect spiritually. For this to happen, we need to return to the true source of life, which is God. When we feel we need to be replenished, we need to turn to God. So we are replenished when we spend time with him on a daily basis and we invest time in him. Some of us set aside Sunday for the Lord, right? Thank you for doing that. Thank you. But then they wonder why they're such in a spiritual slump when they've only set aside Sunday for the Lord. This can't be the only time 
you come in contact with God, with his word, with worship, with prayer, with, it can't just be Sunday. Sunday isn't enough to keep you going. Imagine if you charged your phone one day a week. Y'all be six days with no phone. Some of y'all be six and a half days with no phone because y'all phone run out by 12 o'clock in the afternoon. How do we expect to run on just one service if you don't expect your phone to run on one charge? We need to replenish. And so many times we find ourselves facing spiritual fatigue when we've only charged the battery once. We've only come to Sunday. We don't seek them in our own prayer life. We don't seek them in our own devotions. We don't come to prayer. We don't go to Bible study. We don't do anything throughout the week. And then we're wondering why we're such a mess. Why do I feel like I just don't want to do anything? Why do I feel like I just, I don't know, I'm not, as, I'm not as happy for the things of God like I used to be. I'm not as passionate. I'm not as excited. I'm not as motivated. I don't really want to serve in church anymore. I don't really want to help out anymore. I don't even want to, and all of a sudden we begin to, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all felt it. Some of y'all are feeling it right now. I don't think it's coincidence because I don't believe in coincidence. My God is sovereign. He knows all, right? I believe that the body of Christ, and not just our church, but the body of Christ in these days right now is, is battling a serious case of spiritual fatigueness. Because there are so many demotivated Christians walking around. Demotivated. I guess I'll just go today. Maybe I just won't that day. Maybe I'll serve one day. Maybe I won't another. Maybe I don't know. Hey, brother, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go today. I don't know. I want to talk. I don't want to see nobody. <laughs> I don't want to see nobody. I want to talk to nobody. It's, listen, I'm not targeting one. I, I know I had a couple, couple conversations with some of you, but it's, it's a lot of us that are going through this right now. A lot of people. And, I, and, it's, and it extends beyond our, our church. It's this body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. We're going through this right now. We're in a slump, a spiritual slump, because we aren't replenishing, we aren't charging our spirit. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You know what that is, right? That's how you sit down with someone who always got something negative to say. You always just, like, you know, you just sit with someone, like, always like, ah, this is happening. And you're like, oh, my God. Is anything ever happening in your life? Delight, but delight in the law of the Lord. And his law, and in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Listen, some of us are here today, praise God, but then we go into a circle 
of our friends and family, our circle, that is just so far away from God. We spend the majority of our life with those surrounded that don't love the Lord, that do not encourage your walk with God, that are not supporting you in your walk with God, and then wonder why you don't want anything to do with God. You see, this is just this is a pulling the savannah off of stuff, the blankets, the sheets, so we can see. Maybe that's why we're feeling this way right now. Maybe, maybe that's why I'm feeling this way. Maybe that's why I'm feeling this. Is, this is spiritual fatigueness that's real and affects us all. We experience spiritual droughts because we're not connected to God. This is real. It happens to any Christian at any point in their walk. You could be a Christian for 15 years. You could be a Christian for three years. Christians will experience droughts because some things will happen in their lives that will cause them to turn their face away from God. And at that moment, you disconnect from God and you are in a drought. And then you wonder why. We find ourselves fatigued and in a dry place. We got to continue to replenish um, our spiritual resources by spending time in the Word of God. Through prayer, through congregating with the brothers and sisters. Because sometimes we won't, we won't, we'll pray and read, but we won't be honest with ourselves. That's why we got each other. To be honest with each other, right? To be like, no, Lenny. No, Lenny. Or to be like, yes. We need each other. And then not to be mad when someone tells you the truth. Can, can we? Listen, I'm going to tell the church this. I'm going to tell the church, a full church, so y'all hear this. Please do not come and tell my, myself and my wife what you're going through if you don't want to hear the truth. And then never talk to us again because we know your business. Listen, listen, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. People will, people will no longer talk to me because I know what, the, what they're going through. And then and now that they've shared their stuff with me, they're like, oh, I don't talk to that guy anymore. <laughs> don't, you know, don't tell me if that's going to be the case. I'd rather have communication with you than you tell me something once and then never want to talk to me again. Okay? Now we know. It's there. Everybody knows. <laughs> All right. That wasn't in here, but we had to say it. Now, Jesus makes the same point. Like, listen, we find ourselves in this drought, and if we're in this drought, we can't produce fruit. Y'all know plants don't grow in a drought, right? Okay, so then Jesus makes the same point in John 15, 5. It says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, say in me, and I in them, say I in them, will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. God never gets tired. He never gets tired. I get tired. You get tired, but God doesn't get tired. Therefore, what happens is he never gets tired. He never gets fatigued. So when we are tired, when we are fatigued, he gives us his strength in place of our weakness. Isaiah 40 28, 29 says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Who wants to benefit? Who wants to benefit from that power? Right? If you want to benefit from this power, if you want to be renewed, then it's simple. We need to abide in him. We need to remain in him. Stay connected. Remember, I'm the branch. He's the vine. We got to stay connected. Connected. And when we do this, when we do this, this is the result. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Not just fly, right? Not just soar high, but it mentioned eagles. And I'm not going to go into the Discovery Channel type of thing, National Geographic stuff right now. But eagles are one of the birds that fly like the highest. I'm not, I don't know if they're the highest bird, but they, they are one of uh, like the top three birds that fly the highest. So not only, will, not only by trusting and abiding in God will you soar, will you have strength, but it's like you will go above just the regular. Like, all right, I don't get it. I don't get it. The opportunity to be renewed is found in our ability to wait upon the Lord, right? Right? It said that. Wait upon the Lord. Now, some of you are like, okay, I like to wait. Sit down. Relax. Go ahead, God. Do your thing. And we wait. And that's a misunderstood. This verse is, is misunderstood. This whole concept of waiting on the Lord is, mis- is completely misunderstood on many times. It's not just sitting and doing nothing. It's the exact opposite. I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to explain it to you. Okay. It's the exact opposite. For example, when you go to a restaurant, the people who serve you food are called? Oh, Mind blown. And they wait on you. And they serve you. When we're called to wait on the Lord, we're not, you see, the word wait, waiting in, in this verse, in this context, is an action verb, right? It's, so it's not just waiting by Nuna, it's waiting by serving God. When we wait upon the Lord, we're serving the Lord and serving others while we are expecting him to do what he needs to do in our lives. So the first cause of spiritual fatigue is failure to replenish our spirit. But we can replenish our spirit by abiding in Jesus and waiting upon the Lord by serving him and serving others. Another one is caused by misplaced priorities. Misplaced priorities. Haggai 1, verse 3 to 6 says, Then the Lord sent, and I think I preached on this before, the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven army says. Look at what's happening to you. 
You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but you are not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. Priorities. What's happening here is the Israelites, their priorities were all messed up. Right? And, and so since their priorities were were incorrect in their lives. Everything they did did not work out. Some of you are like, no matter what I do, it never works out. Some of you guys are like, I try this, it doesn't work out. I try this, it doesn't work out. I go here, it doesn't work out. I go there, it doesn't work out. And you guys are frustrated because it seems like everything you're doing, everything you're trying isn't working out, and perhaps it just may be that your priorities are not correct. Perhaps it just may be that you are not putting God first. And that's what the emphasis was in the exhortation last Sunday, was that we need to put God first. That is our number one priority. Did you know that God goes before your spouse? What? Did you know that God goes before your children? Oh, my God. He goes before your job, he goes before your friends, he goes before your hobbies, he goes before your desires. God goes first. So the cheat sheet, the answer to that question is priorities. What goes first? God. So now you guys have the answer. Now it's your, your job to then put God first in your life because I can't do that for you. No, nobody in your life can do that for you. Your parents, being Christians, can't do that for you. You can't do that for your kids. Now, if they're little, if they're little, it's your responsibility to bring them to the house of the Lord, to bring them to children's church, to expose them, to establish a foundation, to pray with them, to read with them. That's your role in making sure that once, that if you do that, when they are old enough to make their own decisions, even if they don't make it right away, You've already planted a seed that will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. Don't leave your children. Don't, don't, don't. Listen, for teenage parents, they're still in your house. They're still in your house. They're not paying rent. They're still in your house. Uh, you go into youth group. You go into this. You go into church. You go into this. I was forced many times, but I'm glad now. It, it laid a foundation in my life that I need, that, that even when I was apart from God, I'm, I'm going to tell you, even when I was apart from God, I still was the nice guy in the group. You know what I'm saying? You know how, like, there's a, the nice guy in the group, even though we're doing bad things, there's still a nice guy in the group? I was a nice guy in the group. Even when I was in places I shouldn't be, doing things I shouldn't do, I was still the nice guy. Why? Because of the foundation that my parents put in me. There were even some things I was like, ah, definitely not doing that. I'm not doing that. God's going to come down right now. I'm not doing that. Listen, and the thing is, even lost in my sin, there were, there were still limits to what I would do and not do because of the foundation that my parents put in me. So even when parents, you pray for your teens and you see them going a whole direction, you just keep putting that foundation into work. Okay, all right, all right. 
Priorities. Jesus says, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Is this you right now? Are you seeking the kingdom first? Are you seeking the kingdom first? Fatigue comes from having the wrong set of priorities. When you are focused on the wrong things and it's not working out, you get tired. You get discouraged. You got, I don't want to do anything anymore because you're wasting all your energy on the wrong things. Number three is living in deception. Dun, dun, dun. Dang, y'all don't want to laugh at that. You know, it takes a lot of strength and energy to maintain a lie. Did you know that? It takes a lot of energy and strength to to live out a lie, to maintain deception. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of careful planning. You got to remember the first lie because that lie, you don't need to remember for a couple months or, or weeks or months. You need to remember that lie for years, for the rest of your life. You need to remember that lie if you are planning on living a deceptive life. Some of you right now are still lying to cover the lie that you did years ago. And it's like, you know, one thing that, I, one thing that I'm most proud about, because I'm not the perfect husband, but one thing I'm most proud about is that my wife was the first relationship that I, was tell, I told her everything in the beginning. And I was like, ah. I, I, I didn't have to be like, what did I tell her? What did I say where I was? What's something like that? Because I, I were in previous relationships where it was, it was based on lies. And I had to remember, wait, where did I say I was? On this day, on this day. Where? It's hard work. And women remember everything. <laughs> wait a minute, what did you say? No, because I was, you know, remember that time that I was like, wait, four years ago, Three hours, three days and two hours, we had a conversation that you told me that you were with your mom and your dad and wait, what? I was like, wait. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They remember everything. It's so much easier to tell the truth. This, what happens is by living a lie or living a life of deception, it opens the door to fear because now you're looking over your shoulders thinking, did I say the right thing? Um, is it going to catch up to me? Is someone going to find out? It is not. And now, not only are you lying, now you've opened the door to fear in your life, and now you got the fear to deal with, you have lying to deal with, and what happens is sin in our life will, will, will drain us of strength and tire us out. Did you know that? You know that sin does that? Jeremiah 9.5 says this, they all fool and defraud each other. No one tells the truth. With practiced tongues, they tell lies. They wear themselves out with all their sinning. Sinning will wear you out. If you are living a life, a sinful life, a deceptive life, a, a, a life full of lies, that sin is draining you of all the energy. And you're like, oh, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to see God. I don't want to pray. I don't feel like reading. Why? Because sin is taking all that desire away. Some of y'all know when you get into things that you shouldn't be doing and you start doing it, all of a sudden, like, you just don't feel like reading the Bible anymore. You don't feel like praying anymore. You don't feel like, you know, hanging out with your Christian brothers and sisters anymore because your Christian brothers and sisters will tell you like, yo, Jose, you cool? 
You cool? Because I don't know. Why are you, why you, why you talking like that these days? No, not Jose. He's cool. He's cool. This is an example. But that's what happens. Right? Think about David's situation. Right? When he decided at first, he thought he was just going to live a life of deception. Let me not just mention that I slept with this guy's wife. Let me not just mention to anybody that I had her husband killed. Let me, not, let me just not talk about any of that. And let me try to live on like it never happened. But then look at how it all changed when he came clean and told the truth and confessed. It's found in Psalms 32, 2-5. It says this. Yes, what joy for those whose record, whose, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Record has cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Like some of us are like, ugh, ugh, right? Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. David found out that in the end, honesty is the best policy. That's what he found out. Now, if he would have been a normal man, he would have went to jail, would have died, but he was the king. So I guess you can't kill the king for having someone killed, right? David found out that truth, living in truth and honesty brings health and healing to your body. Some of us need health and healing, but we're living in a lie. And your healing is right around the corner as soon as you confess what that lie is. Truth brings emotional stability and it will strengthen your spirit. Lastly, the last one, the cause for fatigue is striving for acceptance. Oh, church. Striving to please others is exhausting. It's exhausting. And uh, it will cause fatigue when you try to please everyone. Remember the donkey? Did I, you guys, did I tell you all the donkey story with the man, the little boy, and the donkey? I don't see enough guesses. All right. There was a donkey. There was a man and there was a boy. The man is walking with the boy on the donkey. And he's walking as the people are seeing him in the village. He goes, look at that. Look at that kid letting that old man walk all by himself while he's on the donkey. That little boy should be walking, and the kid should be, uh, the old man should be on the donkey, and the little kid should be walking. So then the old man takes the kid off, puts himself on there, and and they're walking. People say, look at that old man abusing the poor child, having him walk while he's on the donkey. What kind of old man is that to not care about the child? So at this point, they both get on there. Look at these two abusing that poor donkey. Both of these people on the donkey. How could they both be on there? They don't even care about this animal, animal activist, right? So they both get off. 
And they both get off. I'm like, look at these two idiots. They're not even using a donkey. You can't win. You couldn't win. Right? And that's how it is. We try to please people and we never win. And to counter this, what we need to do is we need to set our eyes on pleasing the one who matters, which is Jesus Christ. Pleasing God and not man. We need to stay alert with this, all of us. All of us need to be alert that we don't fall into this. And many pastors, we can fall to this too because we got <clears throat> Pastor, I think you should do it like this. Pastor, I don't think you should say this. I don't think you should go there. I don't think you should. You don't think I hear that all week long. There's different people from other churches, though, not y'all, not y'all. And it's easy if I'm not intentional on my mission. Listen, I want you guys to be happy here, right? But that's not my first, that's not my first desire. My first desire is that you guys are met with truth of the word of God and that your lives are changed, right? Now, I want you to be happy while that happens, but sometimes you won't be happy because sometimes the truth hurts. And sometimes y'all leave like, oh. But I hope that you tend to those wounds in getting into the scriptures and stuff like that, right? What happens is there are times that if we're not careful, right, leaders will adjust their ministries to tailor the desires of people. And then before you know it, those ministries will stray in directions that are no longer Christ-centered or Christ-focused because the focus is now to make the people happy. There are many churches like that throughout the world, but I believe more so in the United States. The United States is really guilty of this, of just wanting to please the people. And unfortunately, listen, I'm here for a short period of time, and eternity is really long, right? And so in this short period of time, I want to make sure that you guys are being told the truth. Now, the truth-preaching churches will never be the ones that have a thousand, millions of people in it because the millions don't want to hear truth. But we're going to continue preaching truth. Amen? And we are here to please God, not man. Amen? What did Paul say about this? I don't know. Let's see. Galatians 1.10 says, Obviously... Remember, he's the OG, right? I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. That was a, that's a mic drop verse and just walk away. If we are servants of Christ, right, then we're here to serve God. He's our master first. Right? So it means that as much as everybody may want their things, right, I'm here to please God. For So if God tells me, you know, this is what we need to do, then this is what we're going to do. And some people will like it and some people won't. But if God says it, then that's what happens. We also, you know, not only do we strive to please others, but we strive for acceptance when we begin to compare ourselves with other people. And let's be clear that this leads to error, it increases discontentment, and leads to depression as well. 
which eventually all leads to spiritual fatigue. Listen, don't you guys see it by now? Our young people are the most depressed young people in all the generations before. Because depression has existed forever. And it usually affects, it usually used to affect middle-aged people when we go through our midlife crisis. Remember? There used to be something called midlife crisis. We ain't midlife anymore. We stay young. But there used to be something called the midlife crisis, and people get depressed in that. But now, it's not the midlife crisis people that are depressed. It's our teenagers depressed. It's our young people depressed. Why? Because they're on social media all the time. And guess what social media has? A bunch of phonies. That's what it has. My life is perfect. My life is perfect. My life is perfect. My life is perfect. And then you got people that will go up to a Maserati and take a picture like, oh, my new car. No, it's not your new car. That's not your car. And they will go to places. They will take pictures here. They will take pictures there. And they put this whole lifestyle that is all fake. And then you have our young people that says, and this, yo, this happened with my daughter. Check this out. Because, you know, YouTube has, like, YouTube families and kids. You guys know the YouTube families? Yo, she is banned from watching YouTube families. It's, it's really sweet and innocent. But let me tell you how she's banned because I don't know what so many people do for a living, but these houses that these YouTube families have are ridiculous. You know, you know, they're like mansion style. They, they have, the kids have an abundance of toys, which half of those families get those toys donated by the toy companies so they can advertise them, right? So they have an abundance of all these toys. They have everything. So my wife, my daughter says to us one day, she's like, I don't want to go home. I'm like, why not? Our house is boring. I'm like, why? And then she began to list all the things we don't have. I'm like, who has that? Like, you don't even know anybody that has those things. And it was the YouTube families that she was watching. So I was like, well, that's cut. That's cut. Because at such a young age, being discontent with her current life is, is what five-year-old is thinking about these things? But, and what happens is so, and she doesn't really understand everything. So now you have teenagers, you have young adults that are seeing it's destroying them and causing depression at such a large scale because I don't have that. I don't go those places. I don't, I don't have that much. I don't, and it becomes, a, it becomes a comparison what I don't have, I don't have, I don't have to what you see on social media. And that will lead to spiritual fatigue. Well, forget it. I'm not going to serve God. How has God helped me? And you get discouraged. And before you know it, you have teens that don't want anything to do with church. We strive to please others. We strive to for acceptance, and the third part of striving is people strive to do what only God can do. This is what I mentioned earlier. We strive to do what only God can do. God says that I will give you rest. I will give you peace. We try to do that on our own. We try to think that all of a sudden we're God and we can give ourselves peace, we can give ourselves rest because we think we know enough. We know enough, right? Um, John 14, 27 says... Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Philippians 4, 7 says, Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Some of us are striving on our own wisdom, on our own knowledge, striving, striving, trusting in ourselves. We're trying to attain 
things in our lives, feelings in our lives, uh, stages in our lives that only God can do for us. And then we wonder why we're frustrated. We wonder why we're discouraged. We wonder why we're, you know, we're spiritually fatigued. Like, ah, oh, you know, we, we say, God, God, I, I, God's not helping me in this area, but then you're not letting God help you in the area. You're doing it. And, and, and you're trying, and you're, you're the one working. You have your hands in it, and you're the ones, you know, you're trying because of what you know. Well, I've been in church a while. I know how it works. I, I, I've, I've read enough. I think I know how it works. And so on our, we try to depend and trust on ourselves. That will wear you out. So then Jesus, he invites us to come alongside of him so that he can help us carry the load. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says this. Jesus said, I, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Before my yoke is easy, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give is light. Church, Spiritual fatigueness is a real thing. It's a real thing. If you ask yourself, like, I'm just not where I once was. I just don't have that passion that I once had, that desire. Sometimes I just don't feel like reading. Sometimes I don't feel like praying. Sometimes I just don't want to see nobody from church. All the giggles mean, "Uh uh-huh. Sometimes I just want to see nobody. I don't want to hear nobody. I want to stay, I just want to stay home. Striving to please others, striving for acceptance, striving to do what only God can do. These all things, they bring fatigue. It's time to stop depending on what you think you know. I'm going to tell you something that you can take to the bank. You are nothing without Christ. We are nothing without Christ. We are nobody without him. We're nobody without him. And the more we try to do it without him, the more frustrated we're going to be, the more depressed we're going to be. Spiritual fatigue is real. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. I was honest with you guys to tell you that this is pretty much how I felt last week and right after Sunday service. I felt fatigued. I felt, I felt discouraged. I felt defeated. But what you decide to do with that feeling sets you apart. What you decide to do. There are some of you in here right now that feel this way. I, I, I know it. I, 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 listen, I know that there are many of us here this morning that feel fatigued. We feel worn out with life. We don't know what else to do. We kind of just want to just get, throw our hands up and say, whatever, God, take me now, Lord, right? We're battling with this spiritual fatigue. We don't have the passion that we once had for God. We want to pray with you this morning because there's so much joy in serving the Lord. There's so much 
there's so much passion and excitement being a servant of the Lord to go on in this feeling. We want to pray with you this morning. Some of you are sitting here today or standing here today and you're hearing about this passion that people once had for Christ. Some of you that are serving God says, well, I never even had a passion like that. And we want to pray for you because we want God to ignite that passion in you today. And then there are some people that have not yet accepted Christ and are like, well, I don't know what that passion's about. You know what that passion's about? For those that don't know God, for those that have not accepted Christ, that passion is knowing that you were sentenced to death. Like, like imagine, imagine this. Imagine that you were chosen, like you messed up. You did some wrong things in your life, and you're sentenced to death. And here comes Christ. Here comes Jesus and says, you know what? I'm, I'm a... I'm going to take you and put you here, and I'm going to die in your place. Knowing that Christ died for us, for the sins that we commit, how could I not be passionate to serve a God like that? It's like, it's like I'm, I'm, I can never think of, at this point, at this point in my life, no matter what I go through, no matter what stages of whatever we go through anxiety, depression, fatigue. No matter what you go through, at this point, I could never turn my back on the fact that God sent his only beloved son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you and for me. And that that blood spilled on Calvary covers us till this day. And I can seek forgiveness by going to him. That's why I'm passionate.